Good morning. Hey, this morning we're going to continue in our study of the Sermon on the Mount, turning our attention again to Jesus' instruction on how it is that we should pray. Um, that is found in Matthew chapter 6. If you need a Bible, because um, we're just going to turn there and read it this morning, and you would like one to follow along, the guys are coming down, and maybe some ladies too, and if you put your hand up, they'll be glad to put one in your hand. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be starting in verse 5 and reading through 15 where Jesus gives instruction on how it is that we should pray. But before we jump in and talk about how it is that we should pray this morning, I thought maybe we would pray. And the reason I'm doing that is um, because we can use prayer, I can use prayer, as I'm getting ready to um, teach and open up God's Word to you. But then we also have both of our pastors, a team of five people actually in the Philippines this morning, and, um, and we should pray for them. I, I was talking um, to Jen in the back, and she was saying, you know, actually, Bren um, texted me this morning at about 6.30. And I said, I didn't know you could text from here to the Philippines, so I text back, you know. And I said, this is pretty cool. And, and then he, she goes, yeah, it was probably right when he was going to bed. And I went, what? You know, because I don't think about time change or anything. He said, yeah, their Sunday's over, and they're heading to bed, and they've already been through worship, and um, and, but I know that he has been praying for us because he said so in his text. So let's pray for them. Let's pray that not only was their worship great this, this Sunday, as they have experienced it already, but in the days ahead that as they are there for the next week or two weeks, that God will continue to use them, and um, as they seek to be an extension of our love um, for, of, from Christ to those individuals over there. So let's join our hearts together in prayer. Father, thank you so very much for your amazing love to us. Thank you that we can come to you and call you Father. We thank you that you are the God of the universe who holds our lives in your hands. You hold the events of our lives in your hands, and there's nothing that affects us, that it comes into our lives that hasn't passed through your will. And we thank you for that. We would pray that you would help us to just rest in the fact that you love us that you care for us, that you have the best for us. And even when we don't see what we think is good things coming our way, that you are over that, above that, in that, and through that, and working amazingly to mold us and shape us and give us the hearts and the minds of Jesus. We thank you for the fact that we have uh, friends and pastors who were in the Philippines this morning who've had an opportunity this morning here, but this evening there, who've had an opportunity already to worship and, and to teach and to come together with other believers in another part of the world to rejoice and to worship and to thank you for your work in their lives, even in the Philippines. We thank you for the work that you're doing there through um, brothers and sisters in Christ whom we support as they reach out with mercy and grace to people that are just being abused so terribly. We pray that you would cause them to be um, the hands and the eyes and the feet and the arms of Jesus as they love people and bring them in. We pray for our team that you would give them strength, that you would keep them healthy. But Father, above and beyond meeting their needs physically, we pray that you would do a great work in their hearts. That you, through this experience with, uh, in the Philippines, would 
We continue to press upon their hearts and press yourself and your image into their hearts so that the things that they see, they would see the way that you see them. The words that they speak would be the words that you would speak. And the actions that they take would be the actions of Christ. Not only there, but as they come back here and minister in our midst and live with us and love us and teach us and instruct us and shepherd us. God, we thank you for them. We thank you for that team. And we thank you for the privilege that we have to be part of the means by which you sent them over there. And so as they are there, they're representing you. They also represent us because we are the body of Christ. And for that, we thank you this morning, and we pray that as we look at your word, that you would teach us, that you would get beyond, that you would let me get beyond me. And you would let these guys and ladies that are here this morning get beyond themselves. And that we would hear from you this morning from your word, even in these very words of Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 6. Let's just read it again. It says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, Jesus says. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows your needs before you even ask. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we'll stop there this morning. Last week, we began to look at this prayer, and we made a very big statement. I mean, I spent all last week trying to make the point that it's important for us to approach God in a right relationship. There's two ways that people approach God, in an employer-employee relationship and or in a family relationship. When we come to God in an employee or employee relationship, kind of in a business relationship, what we do is we come to him and we say, we have goods and services, you have goods and services, we're here, you're here, we're going to make a trade, we're going to do a little bit of business. And we have this concept that if we're good enough, we run fast enough, we do the right things, then we can come to God and we say, God, here's all the good stuff I did, now you should reward me for that by answering my prayers. And Jesus said, that's the way that pagans pray. And we said that word pagan is not necessarily mean those that are anti-religious. In fact, he uses the terms, he says, pagans are those who are religious, yet don't understand the truth of a right relationship with God. And a right relationship comes with God, not through a business relationship. Because, I've got to stop right here and tell you, we will never be able to, to jump high enough, run fast enough, do the right things in the right order to, to somehow think that we could merit God 
being willing to give us something because we're just that darn good or that darn good looking or that just great at something. It doesn't happen that way. We're, there's no way it can happen because there's sin in our lives. And the sin has separated us from God. And the only way that we can have this right relationship with God is no longer trying to do a business deal with God, but understanding that we have to come to him through faith and trust in Christ and let God work in our lives to the place where he brings us from a place where we, we were once rebellious toward him to a place that we understand what Jesus has done for us. We repent of our sins and we trust in that. And when that happens, God does a miraculous work in our lives. He brings us to a place where we understand and believe. And then the Bible talks about the fact that he justifies us. He declares us just. He takes our sins, past, present, and future, and throws them into the sea of forgetfulness, and he remembers them no more. And then, after justification, he adopts us. And what that means is that he makes us his children. He does it. We don't have anything to do with it. He takes us who were once alienated from him and makes us his kids. And he puts his name upon us and he loves us. And he says, now you have a relationship with me as your father. And when you come to me in prayer, come to me as your father. This is so important for us to understand because this is the foundation of true Christianity. This is the foundation of everything that Jesus came for. It's that we would understand that we are God's kids, that we can't be good enough. We never will. But the only way we can have a relationship with God is through faith and trust in Christ and moving into that family relationship with him and letting him be our father. And so Jesus says, when you pray, this is how you should pray, our father. And then where does he go from there? He says, our father, you get it, you understand he's your father, you're going to him in a family relationship. And by the way, a work relationship is one where you work, earn, and deserve what you get. A family relationship is all based on the fact of who you are in relationship to the other individuals, and in this case, our Father who is in heaven. And that's it. He says, you are speaking to your Father, but your Father who is in heaven. He says, don't ever forget that God is not your good buddy. I can remember when I first came to Christ, there were people that would pray and they, they talked to God almost flippantly like he was just like one of the guys in the room. I don't know if you've ever heard people pray like that. It was kind of disturbing to me. I didn't know why, and here's why. Because we shouldn't speak to our Father like that. We shouldn't speak to our Father with any kind of disrespect in any way, shape, or form because our Father is in heaven. He is God. He is God, and then he goes on and says, not only do we understand that, and, and, and know this, that understanding the fatherhood of God and the majesty of God is kind of a pendulum. Because the more that we understand the love of the Father for us, the pendulum swings the other way and we begin to understand the glory of God, the majesty of God. And when we understand the majesty and the glory of God, the fatherhood of God becomes so much more precious to us. Because God, who is the creator of the universe, who has no obligation to us, has chosen us because of his free will. His free will and his great love and mercy to make us his children. And Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Do you guys um, have the NIV Bible? The NIV Bible is the one that we often use. It's the Bible in which we use because it's supposed to be modern vernacular, okay? Now, Hallowed is not a modern word, is it? You would think they could find a better word for Hallowed. Hallowed. I mean, when was the last time you said, used the word Hallowed? Only in the prayer. It's the only time that you use it. You know why? Because there is no English word necessarily, I mean, other than Hallowed, English modern word, which is equal to it. It's basically saying this, majestic. In fact, let me, let me be really clear because I, I don't want to mess this up, so I'm going to look at my notes. It says, when we speak to God and we come to him and we say, Hallowed, we're speaking to him um, in a sense that we're saying that you are the ultimate. We treat you as the most sacred. You are our supreme focus. You're our goal in life. You are the most important thing. And what Jesus is saying here is this, is that we need to understand that when we begin to pray, and he sets for us a pattern here in this prayer. He says, we come to our Father, and we acknowledge that he is our Father and he is God, and then we worship him or we praise him for who he is. We praise him in this way. We say, hallowed are your name. You are supreme. You are the goal of our lives. You are most important to us. Now, why does Jesus tell us that we should pray that way? And I want you to also know that when Jesus teaches us how to pray here, he basically uses the same format when his disciples come to him in Luke 11 and say, hey, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? He says the exact same thing, almost word for word. He's not just saying this is a good idea. He's saying this is a pretty darn good pattern. No, this is how we should pray. We need to go to God, understanding that he's our Father, understanding that he is holy and majestic, and understanding that he is set apart, that he is holy, that he is to be the supreme being, the supreme focus of our lives. Now, let me ask you this. When you pray normally, is that how you move into a relationship with God, when you, when you or a conversation with God? If you're like me, I usually pray, God, help me, right? I mean, I find like I pray a whole lot more when things aren't going so good. I'm a really good prayer when, I, when things are messed up. When things are pretty okay, I, I kind of back off on my prayer. It's like, thanks, God, high five, you know, all's good. Um, but, but when I need something, I just move and I start to ask. And a lot of times I ask out of urgency, out of fear, out of confusion, out of need. That's where we go to God. And don't get me wrong, he wants us to come to him when we have those feelings. But he says, Jesus says, that the first thing you need to do before you even come and start to ask is that you need to praise God. You need to praise God. You need to put God in proper perspective in your life. You need to say, hallowed be thy name. You need, we need to be people that spend time in prayer asking God to help us center and focus our lives on the right thing, and that is him. He's saying, come and pray, our Father who art in heaven, you are holy. And the reason Jesus tells us that we need to pray this way is because we need to pray this way to have proper perspective. Otherwise, we just run to God and we scream out, help me, help me, help me. And then he does, and we go, thanks, and we walk away. Never really focusing on the fact that God is our Father, who is holy and who is to be the center of our lives. In fact, I think we need to understand that prayer, truthfully, when we do it right, is not about asking God to give us stuff. 
It's about God, by His Spirit, changing our focus and putting us in right, putting our lives and our thoughts and our hearts in right perspective with God. So that we come to Him in praise and we say, Hallowed be Thy name. A few years ago, I remember hearing Louis Giglio um, give a talk on worship, and he said this, all of us worship. All of us are worshipers. So it doesn't matter if you're a follower of Christ or not, you worship something. And that's true. It's, it's the nature of who we are as human beings. We are people who worship. He said this, what you worship is determined by your time and your energy, your affections, your allegiance, and your belongings. He said, if you will follow a trail, if you'll follow the trail of how you use your time, if you'll follow the trail of how it is and what it is that you put your energies into, if you will follow the trail of that which you, which you have allegiance with, and by that he means that which you um, are willing to stand up and swear to and stand by and hold fast and give your life to, if you will follow the trail of your belongings, it will lead to a throne. And that which you worship is on the throne. Now, if you follow, seriously, you just do this. Take inventory of your own personal life. Follow the trail of how you use your time. Follow the trail of how you use your day and the energy that you spend in life. Follow the trail of your affections. Follow the trail of that which you are committed to. Follow the trail of your belongings. Follow that trail and find the throne. And who is it or what is it that's sitting on the throne of your life? Chances are, if you're anything like me and about 99.9% of the rest of the people in this world, it's you. You're sitting on the throne. And Jesus says that when we come to prayer and we pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We are not asking God, we're not, we're not just praising God, but we're asking God to put us in proper perspective, to change how we think, to change um, our thinking, to change our energies, to change our alliances, to change our emotions, so that we get ourselves off the throne and we put God back on the throne where he properly belongs. And when that happens, he says this, he says that not only will we praise him as we should, but we will gain proper perspective. For he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. When was the last time you prayed and said, God, your will be done? I praise you, I worship you, I put you on the throne of my life, and now your will be done. In every area of my life, in every relationship, in, every, in the things that I need, in the things that I want, everything that I'm trying to achieve, I want your will to be done. Jesus said, this is it. And this is, honestly, this is the pinnacle, and this is the key to this prayer. That we come to a place, not only where we know God is our Father, and He loves us, and He cares for us, and that He's God, Almighty, Majestic, and that he deserves our worship and he ought to be the center of our lives. But we come to him and say, now say, your will be done. That changes everything. That changes everything because from this point on, Jesus says, now you can start to ask. 
He says, look, first you understand that you praise God and you put him on the throne of your life and then you get perspective. You understand that it's not about you, it's about him. And when you praise God and he's on the throne of your life and when you have perspective and you can say your will, not my will, your desires, not my desires, what your wishes are, not my wishes are, then we can come to him and begin to ask him for the things that we desire. Because when we praise him and when we have proper perspective, the things that we ask for will be the things that he desires for us. The reason I know this is because um, all of us, all of us are obsessed with this idea that there are things outside of us that are messed up. Things outside of us um, and circumstances and people outside of us that we have no power over are actually the things that are, is what is controlling our lives and bringing us happiness. And, and Jesus is trying to tell us here, look, it's not about what's out there that brings happiness. It's about what's going on inside. The reason I know this is because when the Apostle Paul prays for his friends, his Christian friends, he doesn't ask for, he doesn't, he doesn't ever say, give them a really nice house, help them get outstanding grades. He never says, I hope they have all the money that they need. He never says even, he never even prays for the food that they're about to eat or the food that they need. And, and back then when they prayed for food, when it, when it gets onto this thing about give us this day our daily bread, they meant our daily bread. For, those, for us today, we just go to the refrigerator and go, help me decide which one of these things I want to eat. But at that moment, he never prayed, Paul never prayed any of those things for his friends. He always prayed that they would understand who they were, who they were in relationship to God. He would, under, he would pray that they would understand who they were and what God wanted to do in and through them. He prayed that they would grasp how high and how great and how majestic the love of the Father was for them. Because he understood that when we get that and we can say, God, your will be done, then when we go to God and we pray, we're no longer going to God asking him for things, listen, that we think will make us happy. So often we go to God and we go, God, if you would just do this, if you would just do this with that person over there, then I'll be happy. If you'll just change this guy or change these circumstances, give me this job, help me make it through this class, then everything will be cool and I'll be happy. But it never lasts, does it? It never lasts because it's not outside things, persons, people, um, circumstances that make us really happy. What really brings us true contentment is understanding that we have a Father who loves us, who's in control, in control of our lives. And if we so will submit to him, he will work in our lives and bring us joy and peace and utter fulfillment. And Jesus says that when you understand these things, then you can go and ask to your heart's content. Go and ask, he says. He said, give us this day our daily bread. That means ask him for everything. Ask him for anything. But do so in perspective and understanding that you just said, thy will be done. So you say, God, I really want a girlfriend. I want that one. I'm praying really hard. Or I need a boyfriend. Or I would really like to get married. Or I really want a car. I had a roommate 
when I was in college. He was a believer. His name was Ray. And uh, we were praying that he would get a car. And someone gave him a 1969 Chevy van. It was all beat up. But they gave it to him. And I said, Ray, God answered prayer. And he goes, well, kind of. This isn't what I wanted, though. He said, you know, my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And, and he gives me this old beat up van. He could have done better. I, may, I can get better. I'll just keep praying. I said, and my, my roommate Steve said, dude, you, you might want to chill out or you're going to be riding one of those cows. <laughs> um, you know, uh, because the idea is, is that we ask God for these things and then he gives, here, listen to this. God always answers prayer. Always answers prayer. He just doesn't always answer it the way that we long for him to answer it. He answers prayer with yes, right? We like that answer. He says no, and, and that upsets us. He says no, and it's kind of like um, we, we, my, when my kids were little, they, you know, can we play with matches? No. <laughs> what do you mean no? You don't love me. You know, um, can, I have, can I have these firecrackers and go out in the yard? No, you'll blow off your fingers. But when God tells us no, he, listen, when God tells us no, he tells us, no, understanding that what we're asking for is the desire of our heart, and he always responds to the need of our heart, just not always the way that we desire to get it. Sometimes he says, later. And we're impatient, and we go, I don't really want to wait. And sometimes he says, some other way. And honestly, that's the story of my life. God always says, some other way to me. I have spent, I told somebody this yesterday, two days ago. I spent the majority of my life as a Christian reading God's word, putting together a really nice blueprint of how it is that I would like my life to turn out, handing it to God and say, here it is, God. I think this is good. It's in line with your scripture. I think I'm trying to bring you glory. I'm doing the best I can. And God takes it and goes, uh-huh. And he kind of sits to the side. And that's not really what I said. He actually, I said, he just rips it up and throws it back at me. And I go, what was this? Why aren't you answering my prayer? But you know what he does? He always answers my prayer. Not always, but many times he often answers my prayer some other way. And the other way that he chooses to do it blows me away. Blows me away. When um, I was, in, I was with, working with a bunch of students in Florida, and we just uh, felt that God would have us pray for this abandoned building, to, for a meeting facility. It was worth about a million dollars. And we had all these kids out there praying for it. And, um, and we thought for sure somebody was going to give us some money. And uh, the newspaper came out. The, actually, the TV channel came out. Because there were like hundreds of kids out there around this building laying hands on the building and praying for it. And we became a novelty. And I said, God, this has got to be bringing you glory. You know, this is amazing. And um, we should have this building. And the, the newspaper people and the reporter would say things like, well, you know, do you really believe that God's going to give you this building? And I said, we're praying for it. And we're just trusting God for it. And inside, uh, you know, I was really sure. But I was saying in my head and in my heart, I really hope so because I've gone out on a limb here with the news. And, um, and we, would, uh, we, would, we would be praying for it, and then, then we got notice that someone else bought it. And we were devastated. And I go, I said, I really thought God wanted us to have this building. I really thought he would come sh through and show himself powerful. You know, what is up with that, God? We believe that you would have us have this building, that you would provide it for us, that you would do so in a, in a, a miraculous way, and that you would receive glory. 
And people at the news would go, wow, it really happened. And someone else put a contract on the building. And I can remember standing in front of the building and being really bummed out. And a friend of mine who was much younger than I was, who had much more faith than I did, came up to me and said, Mike, God's given us this building. Who cares who buys it? God's given us the building. We'll just continue to pray. And so while the thing was under contract, we just continued to pray. Every night, we'd get out there. Kids, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 kids would be out in front of that building praying. During that time, that three months during that contract was in negotiation, outside in front of that building, literally dozens of other kids from the community came to Christ. And it was just blown away by his work, but we still kept praying, and here's the deal. I was in my office, my phone rang, and a real estate agent said to me, Mike, you're not going to believe this, but they couldn't come up with the money, and the contract's gone null and void. And I went, wow. And she said, all you need is this large amount of money, and the building's yours. And I said, wow, that's great. And I hung up the phone and I stood at my desk. And I said, God, thank you, I, I guess. And I looked down and there was a business card on. This is, this is a true story. I'm not making this up. There was a business card on my desk that a guy had given to me about a month earlier and said, call me if I can ever do anything for you. I didn't know this guy from anywhere. He was an older gentleman. I picked up his card, and I had it there, and I said, well, I'm just going to call him and ask him to pray for us. And I called him up and told him, and he goes, yeah, I've been watching your story on that. And he goes, uh, I, he said, I'll be glad to pray for you. He said, but, but call him. Call the real estate agent back. Tell him you'll have the money for him tomorrow. And I went, no, no, you don't understand. We don't have the money. I'm asking you to pray for the money. And he goes, no, no, you'll have a check tomorrow. And I called the real estate agent. And I said, uh, write up a contract. We have, a, we have the money, I guess. <laughs> Told me this incredibly large amount, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we wrote the contract, and the check showed up the next day. And everything was being faxed back and forth. And we signed the contract. They received the check. They signed the contract that the building was sold, faxed it back to us. And when it came through the fax at the office, at our place and theirs, completely done, the phone rang in, their, in, the, in the seller's office of the people who were purchasing it before. And they said, we have the money we can close today. And they said, oh, we're sorry, but we just sold the building. And we said, yeah, God bought it. You know, and, and I want you to know that 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 building was used by God in an incredible way. Literally hundreds of kids came to know Jesus Christ as their savior. And I watched God work and I said throughout the entire thing, he didn't do it in my time. He didn't do it in my way. He didn't do it the way that I thought would bring him glory. He did it in the way that he thought that he knew would bring him glory. And in a way that would blow us away and make it even that more special for all of us who were praying. You know why he does that? 
because he's our father. And he likes to wow us. Who doesn't want to give their kids good things? Now you say, oh, my dad never did that. My dad was messed up. Stop judging your heavenly father on your earthly father. And start experiencing your heavenly father for everything that he is. He is God and worthy of your praise. He is the one who is to be worshipped beyond all things and the one who should sit on the throne of your heart. And when you go to prayer, every time go to him and say, God, before I ask for anything, let me put you on the throne of my heart so that I can say your will be done. No matter what, even if you say no, even if you say some other way, even if you say later to the things that I ask, I will know that your will will be done. And that's what I ask for. And when we can pray that way, with the right heart and the right focus, accepting that we can trust him because he loves us more than we can ever understand, then, then, we will see our prayers answered in ways that will blow us away. Not because we get what we ask for all the time the way we want it, because God will do what he wants to do in and through us. And he will build our faith. And he will make us people who spend time in prayer because it's not about asking. It's about experiencing the holiness of God. And him changing our lives and our hearts and our minds and our actions. And everything about us to reflect the very one who taught us how to pray. Even Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thanks for your word. Thanks for teaching us how to pray. Thank you for the great love that you give us as your children, that we can call you Father and come to you in prayer and know that you hear and you love and you will always respond to the need. Maybe not the way that we ask, but you always will because you love us. Help us to grasp that. And help us to be able to say this day and then the days and the weeks and the months ahead, Father, not our will, but thy will be done. Amen.